This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. America and welcome to Friday. Stu has the latest on the polls. Also, is it a year? Has the president only been in office for a year? Is that first year almost up? Can't be the last of the first year, can it? Uh, it goes. Trying to close Gitmo already. Yeah, here he is. Wow. I am going to close Gitmo. That was fast. That was the promise he was going to get that done in his first year. So, <laughs> wow, how time flies. It seems like it's only been eight since he's been in office. We start with the polls right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, welcome to the program. Is it too early in the morning to start drinking? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Not hard liquor, but like a beer. Beer. You know, Mm. I used to, I mean, I haven't had like a Michelob in a long time. You know, a lot of uh, people in the Prohibition era believed that Prohibition, when it was kicking in, actually didn't cover beer. I know that. Um, So, I mean, I think, you know, uh, there's precedent. There's historical precedent. It doesn't really. It's like going to church on Sunday. I mean, I'm doing that on Sunday. I'm not doing it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? That's a Sunday thing. But anyway, welcome to the program. I'm so glad that you have joined us today. Stu is here with all of the good and happy news about how, how things are progressing uh, with the Republican Party. It's turned into good and happy news? Uh, Everything's going great. We're just presenting news with this. That's what I'm asking. In this bad news? There's no such thing as good news. In this. <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing. I've decided, I've decided today that I'm going to be more optimistic. Me too. And happy. I just was. Right. <laughs> it's as optimistic as I can get. Right. There's no good news, as opposed to this is really bad news. Uh-huh. Right. This is just, you're laughing. no good news. You're laughing through your dismay, which is the positive. Uh-huh. No, I'm laughing through my uh, catastrophic kind of view I of yes, everything. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, a couple of things. We'll go through some of the polls here, and we'll get to r- the rest of the news uh, uh, either as we go through. But... I mean, poll-wise, Senate, there wasn't too much that happened in in Senate polling this week. We flipped a couple of races. The Kirk race in Illinois, um, we went from a toss-up to the lean Democrat. Ah. Um, you know, it, it, you know, these are really close at this point. There's not, he is no. against Donald Trump, too, right? Yeah, he's positioning himself as, I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump. Right. Um, but he is, at, uh, it's uphill battle city there. I mean, he's in Illinois anyway, so it's hard enough for a Republican to win. And in, well, in, in, depending on where you are in Illinois. I mean, well, you have Chicago, 
area part of his? Well, it's the state. I mean, this is Senate. Oh. We're, we're talking Senate here. This isn't yeah, no, a house. Yeah, no, forget it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a... Uh, uh, so that's I mean, there are though like those forty people that live outside of Chicago, you know yeah. what I mean? I, the, we think that if he was running only with those forty people, he'd have a good shot to win. Right. Um, however, he's, he's not. He's not. He's running for the whole state. He's not. They can they <laughs> gerrymander? <laughs> they might try they it. Gerrymander just the people who like Republican stuff. Uh, probably not with a Democrat governor and a Democrat legislature. Uh, so, so. Uh, Indiana, we've moved uh, back from leaning Democrat uh-huh. um, to toss-up. So those two That's races good. flipped. That's good. Um, so, again, we kind of sit in the same spot as we did last week. Mm. Uh, 36 guaranteed for the Democrats are no elections. They have nine that are pretty solid and two uh, leaning towards the Democrat, total of 47. Mm-hmm. The Republicans, they start out with 30 uh-huh. that aren't up for election. Uh-huh. They have 12 solid seats, uh-huh. uh, getting you to 42. That's Six great. more leaners to 48, Love it. which leaves five in the middle. Um, Republicans would have to pick off three uh, of the five to get to 51 and guarantee control of the Senate or two with Donald Trump. Um, mm-hmm. And those races are Burr in North Carolina, which he looks pretty good. You could probably he Is might he ahead. He's a slightly ahead. He's got a full body, too. He's not just ahead. He's got a full body. See what he did there? It is Friday. Yeah. Is what he did? It, it is, is Friday. It is. Uh, no, and I'm, sort of I'm so out of, <laughs> I'm so checked out. I mean, like, if we had a time clock, you know, you know to punch in and punch out, huh? I would have punched out maybe on Tuesday of this week. Wow. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. if I had nine weeks of vacation left this year, I would take them all immediately. I would, too. Uh, and and well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I actually, I've got to go someplace for, um, well, the rest of my life. Um, and, uh, and so I've been trying to decide, is it better for me to take a couple of weeks off before the election, immediately after the election, or wait a few weeks after the election, more towards Christmas? And I've kind of come to the, uh, you know, actually sitting in my office talking to people about what's the best time and everything else. And I can't think of a, we, we, no, I don't think there's a good time at all. It's all, it's like, well, will it be better now or better right after the election? Or will things be really bad after the election? So it'd be better to wait or is this a better time? When's going to be the worst time? And I'm like, I, 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 I think we're in our best, happiest place right now. No oh, good. That's oh, no, wait, 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 wait. This is wait. the happiest place. This, yes, that I've got a new positive attitude today. I could say it's over. But I'm saying right now, enjoy the moments that we have together in joy and happiness. Did you get into Gary Johnson's stash? What was the, <laughs> I, uh, well, I was thinking, uh, what was that? Hmm? What does that mean? Um, I, I don't know. Fine, I'm just saying that right. there's probably some uh, natural herbs that might be hmm. available. Not in Texas. Oh, yeah, well, Texas. okay. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, as I was saying, uh, that gets you to about 48. The, the five races are Burr in North Carolina. He looks actually fairly good there. That you could that might move into a leaner. So does that mean that Trump is doing better in North Carolina? Uh, no, that does not okay. mean All right, that. happiest time that. of our lives right now. Again, almost right now. in almost every circumstance. Are you enjoying this time right now we have, Pat? Oh. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Cherish it. Go ahead. Okay. Mm-hmm. In almost every circumstance, uh-huh. uh, the Republican, generic Republican, is running ahead of Trump in every state. Okay. I mean, good, uh, good. there are a couple of exceptions to that. But so this is the Trump revolution. 
not 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 really led by Donald Trump. No, it's right. it's Trump is on the ticket with these Republicans who <laughs> right. are out polling him in almost. Every and state. some of them are saying, I'm not with that guy. Um, right. right. Yes, yeah, some right. of them are doing it. Interestingly, um, one of the things that uh, the, a lot of these uh, polling sites and experts are talking about now is the opportunity for Republican candidates and Democratic candidates mm-hmm. to chase after third party presidential votes. So people say, I can't vote for Trump. I'm going to vote for Johnson. Those Johnson people might be gettable for the Republican down ticket. They might not vote libertarian all the way down for Senate. And well, how, what do you think the what do you think the real fallout is going to be? Do you see what happened with Gary Johnson yesterday? They just killed him all day long. And he deserved it, uh, even by his own telling. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Should this be a big deal? Gary, yes. the answer is no. no. The answer is no. He said yes. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah. No, this should, oh, yeah, of course. This should destroy my career. Should. I should be chased out of the town with torches on he, this they one. should be poking me in both eyes with hot poker. <laughs> Boy, I should be known as the dumbest man alive because of that one. I don't know why I haven't been tortured <laughs> and waterboarded. What the hell is oh, wrong with you? Forks. Aleppo, they're not doing enough to those people in Aleppo. They should be doing that to me <laughs> that was good heaven quite is it do you have the audio yeah okay yeah. Uh, it went a little something like this people are making a big deal about this aleppo thing i just curious no, stop 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 we do enough interviews with people <laughs> what was this reporter saying to him with that question he's saying Give me a good excuse. Give yourself your best case as to why this isn't a big deal. <laughs> yeah, Look, people are he's giving people are giving you a, a hard, lot of time. hard time on this. I mean, is it really that big of a deal? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, nod, nod, slap across the face. The answer is no, Gary. And he says, "Is it a gotcha thing? Should you have known it?" He's giving. Uh, gave me the, he's this is a multiple choice. Times. He's <laughs> saying, "Pick one of these excuses <laughs> so that it's not that big of a deal." Right. It was a gotcha question. Right. Uh, I was uh, half asleep, but now I'm awake. <laughs> Anything. I was stoned would have been better than what you answered. When when you recognize what's going on in syria when you recognize that then he explains how critical the city is and how stupid he was for not knowing it oh, that aleppo is great the, kind of the epicenter between <laughs> aleppo um not knowing that there's a city in between the the unreal the two forces really at the epicenter of the but not remembering what or the hell's wrong with him that that's aleppo. really weird You've talked about him. I swear to you, the only stop, I swear to you, the only one who actually wants to be president is Hillary Clinton. Yeah. He's the only one that is like, uh, hey, do whatever you have to do. Shiv people if you have to, to make me look better. (laughs) Donald Trump is like, oh, yeah. Oh, I farted. But at least I farted in a Mexican's face. (laughs) You're like, what the hell are you doing? I don't remember this guy. This guy's like, no, look, no, it's it's much worse than even my worst critics thought. <laughs> I it was like it was like it, deep it, stage four bone cancer <laughs> of my political career. Oh my gosh! You talked about him not knowing the room, though, right? I mean, when he was on with us, yeah, no, 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 but that's not knowing us. the room. He, I swear to you, Donald Trump and Gary Johnson. It's like they don't want to win. It is. It is. I mean, honestly, if I were the Libertarian Party, and I know you can't do this, probably. You're dumping him. 
I would seriously consider going to him and saying, Gary, we have an, a historic opportunity here. Your running mate, while not a, a very libertarian at all, is much better at actually talking than you, you are. Would you consider just dropping out and we'll pull in Austin Peterson or somebody else as the, as the running mate? i tell you something. Bacon never injury. before in my life, never before in my life, in American history, have I seen three choices this <laughs> unbelievably bad? Oh, there's never been. This is like, I, I mean, it's like, it's like a, a, an episode of the political monsters and just when you think it's bad, Thing comes out and says, I'm running too. You're like, what the hell is that? The hand? Or Adam's family. Which is the, which yeah. Is the, no. One's the hand and one's the bushy, like, broom-looking thing, right? There's the... Right. One of the... Thing one, was... Thing yes, you're right. The thing was the hand. hand. No. Did you mix your it Adam's family? My, 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 and my... And yes, I oh, did. Oh, wow. That's, I, that's, that's how bad that Not good. We didn't, even, we didn't even get to the good part in the Johnson yeah. audio. Yeah, right. yeah listen right. to this. The town you, it's a name you know, a town you know. I mean, this is good. This well, is going to yes, be a, this yes, is going to no, be no. a big deal. Like this, is like the first big flap of a campaign that's been doing pretty well, right? It's going to be a Again. big flap. I promise you. I like oh, it. Already. Guys, begging him to take his his lifeline. So you know what this is? Please. This is without any names being attached to it. This is other talk show hosts that have sucked up so deeply. They're somewhere like inside the body of Donald Trump. <laughs> and they're like, they're giving you the answer. Yes. And I don't know who the reporter is. He might not, but he seems to really seems giving them the most optimistic case. Case I'm giving MSNBC. you the opportunity to just get out of it. He's trying. Oh, he no, so I, I, I'm just wondering I, I, sort of I, I, how no, you... No, no, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm incredibly you, frustrated with myself. Right. Or, right. So how do you? But how do you feel about it? Like, should it be a big flap? Like, no. no. Well, sure it should. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Sure it should. Well, sure it should. Absolutely. Okay. Let, let me. Okay. Let me He's play devil's advocate. Let me play devil's. <laughs> so weird. How dare you say? Suggest it's not a big deal. How dare you try to get me out of this? No. This is the worst thing anybody's ever done in a political campaign. It's unbelievable. I probably be arrested. <laughs> let me. I didn't even get to impeach the... me. <laughs> impeach me. You're right. You're right. You should impeach me. I know I'm not even president, or you can't impeach me. But we should have a commission to impeach me right now. And Thank think... you for that suggestion. What the hell is wrong with these people? Hang on. I want to play devil's advocate, and then we'll go back to your Senate ratings. Um, I got to take a break. Just remind me. Devil's Advocate on Gary Johnson. Okay. When we come back. You sell in your house? You should, because the economy's going to collapse and the people are going to... Anyway, um, if you want to sell your house... I thought you were optimistic today. I am. I, didn't, I said you're not going to be able to sell your house for a long time. I didn't say you'll never be able to sell your house. Your optimism sucks. Try living with me. <laughs> my wife is like, this week, my wife is like... She really did. She said... Can we not go there? And I'm like, honey, let's just noodle this out. Isn't that where it ends? And she's like, stop right now. Just stop right now. And I'm like, well, they're going to come. They're going to come. <laughs> Helicopters, the SWAT teams are coming for you first. Let me tell you that. <laughs> so anyway, um, realestateagentsitrust.com. This, is, this was actually born um, out of frustration uh, by me and my brother. Um, I, I had a hard time selling my house. I got the wrong real estate agent, and then I couldn't get out of that real estate agent. And it was the same thing. You know, let's, have, let's blow more balloons and have an open house. We've already done that. You got another idea? Um, and my brother, when he moved down here to Texas, 
he had this great house in this one of the top, I think it's one of the top 10 cities in America, a little small town called Linden. And he couldn't sell it, couldn't sell it, couldn't sell it. Held it for two years, and it was bleeding him to death. Um, and so we, we talked about there's got to be a, w- a way where you can get real estate agents that you can trust, real estate agents that think like you do, that are honorable, that are not going to give you the runaround, or not going to just tell you what you need to hear. So we started something called realestateagentsitrust.com. It's been out now for about two years. We did about a year and a half of testing um, and making sure it was right before we ever brought it to your attention. Homes are selling on time. Uh, they're selling fast. They're selling for the most money. And they're selling with honor and, and, and um, credibility. The, the people, it's amazing. I get letters from people who say, my, I have a friend now who's my real estate agent. Because the first thing we did is if you don't listen and you're not a fan of this show, you can't be a real estate agent for us. So it's like, and if you've ever been to any of our events, it's kind of like that, where friends get together. Except these friends are going to help you out and put a sold sign in your front yard. They're going to work to earn your business every day. You want to move? Get packing right now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You're listening. You're listening. To the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The last time you purchased your mattress, you were also paying for things you didn't know. You're paying for the showroom. You're paying for the guy's salary who helped you, the commissions, and the reseller's profit. Casper Mattress has changed all of that. They sell directly to you. That's why the most comfortable mattress you have ever slept on is going to save you a ton of money. Cost you much less than the mattress you bought years ago. Casper was invented with two high-tech foams that guarantee that you sleep cool and comfortable with the support that you need. Also, Time Magazine, because of this, named it one of the best inventions of 2015. And your Casper mattress ships free and is delivered in a small, really, honestly, how did they do that kind of box? Tanya and I have a Casper mattress, and we love it. Try one in your own home for 100 nights, risk-free. If you don't love it, they're going to pick it up and refund every single penny. And right now, you can get $50 off of the purchase of any mattress by visiting casper.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn at checkout. Terms and conditions do apply. Casper.com slash Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Don't let me forget this hour. After we get past all the political things, I have to tell you about a great bingeable TV show that I just saw. I absolutely love it. And it gets Another, better as it goes. Is it the Jonathan Strange thing? Yeah. Have you started it? Mm-hmm. Don't like it. Pat's, Pat's, no, I like it. Pat's, okay. just it, like by, it. The, by the fifth episode or something, it's just it just keeps building up spe- steam, and it is fantastic. Fantastic, yeah. I'll I'll talk about it a little later. Let me play devil's advocate on the Gary Johnson thing. Gary Johnson, yesterday, he's on MSNBC, and um, what's his name? The guy from the Boston Globe goes, what about... What about Aleppo? Uh, Mark, Mark, Mark Barnacle. Yeah, Barnacle. Another <laughs> crusty Barnacle on the bottom of uh, Joe's desk here. Uh, and he's, uh, he's like, so what about Aleppo? And, and Gary Johnson, 
And uh, I, I don't know about Aleppo. What, what's Aleppo? <laughs> I don't have Aleppo. I, I took some medication, got rid of my Aleppo. Um, so he just he he just couldn't have answered it in a worse way. He just said, "What's that?" And then Barnacle, being a jerk, said, Are "You're you kidding, kidding me, right?" And so he so Barnacle made it worse. And then Gary Johnson's like, "No, I'm not kidding you. What is it?" Well, it's the. <laughs> City and exactly Syria. I mean, did. yeah, I mean, it's really that. So then. That's how unaware he is. Yeah, he's just. It's pretty yes. amazing. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. So. So is this your devil's advocate? Here's the now? devil's advocate. All right. So then he's asked by Politico, so is this, this isn't as bad as everybody's saying, right? I mean, I'm helping you out. Is it possible that Gary is such a non-politician that he's never, I mean, New Mexico is not exactly the hotbed of duke it out politics, I'm guessing. What are there, like 40 people and some deer living in, in New, New Mexico? Mexico no, I love New Mexico, but it's not, it's not, guys. no, 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 come on. It's not thriving metropolises. Well, right? Albuquerque's good size. What is it? Uh, the metro in Albuquerque's yeah. got to be 800,000, a million, somewhere in there, in that range. That's the big one in the state. Well, yeah. That's kind of that's kind of like I don't think of Montana as a thriving metropolis. I mean, metropolis that's the population either. of Montana and one city. That's you know that's not bad. Okay, okay, thank you, Pat. So anyway, <laughs> oh, he's just doing what people in 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 states where everybody is just kind of honest as the day is long, you know, kind of just uh, yeah, I didn't know about it. Boy, that was stupid of me. And he's just being completely genuine. Boy. Really. You don't think that's possible that he doesn't th- that he really I, thought that that was a bit. He's not being calculated at all. Right. And he's not being stupid. He's just being really honest. And he's like, yeah, that was a really big deal. I mean, I can't believe I missed that. And so he's not a politician, which I like not a politician, not being calculated going. Yeah, that was really stupid of me. That part of it is refreshing. I just he's he doesn't garner enough confidence in every other area. For yeah. Yeah, that's the problem with that one you gotta you gotta be really good at everything else this to get away is with the it. glenn beck program mercury The Glenn Beck Program, 2016, election by numbers. Say something, because I'm about to give up on you guys, seriously. Uh, During the break, they're like showing me the stats of New Mexico. Yeah. I get it. I'm not. That's a weird observation. My point. My point was, it's not the backroom, smoke-filled, cigar, stab-everybody-in-the-back kind of yeah, attitude. If it would have stopped there, that would have been fine. But the 40 people and a cow. Oh, my gosh. I had it was to a let deer. you know. It was a deer. deer. It was deer. Okay. <laughs> and not a deer. Deer. That's plural. Deer. There were deer there. There are deer there. I like, For instance, I love, I love Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Wyoming 
isn't a thriving metropolis no, filled with people wall to wall. That's good. There's more people in Albuquerque than the entire oh, state of Wyoming. I am Thank going you. to pound. Wyoming's you. a different issue. We weren't talking about Wyoming. We're talking about you Albuquerque. You brought up Wyoming. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, it's like when I bring up Antarctica. There's not a lot of people in Antarctica. Well, yes, but that's not that's not New it's Mexico. It's not that I'm talking about the people. I'm talking about the attitude. Mm-hmm. There's it's not a, it's, it's not cutthroat. It's not cutthroat. Unless you're a meth dealer. Unless you're yes. a meth dealer, which obviously oh, that's a oh, very competitive industry. And you know, and the only reason why we know that, Jeffy. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. His documentary was, uh, films. Oh, there's a lot of meth. So, all right, let's look at the Electoral College. All right. Is this changing? Uh, oh, my. We it have is, some uh, pretty oh. big changes here, I thought. Uh, pretty interesting. Let me give you some of the, just the switches here. Uh, we have moved, oddly, Rhode Island from solid Democrat to leaning Democrat. Rhode uh, Island. Rhode Island is a pretty, wow. I mean, look, I still expect Clinton to carry Rhode Island. but Do they have half an electoral there? Rhode Island oh, is 40. Now, there's a place with 40 people no, and a deer. No. Oh, no. That's no. At all. no, no, no. Well, in Providence. densely Providence. No, it is Providence. Rhode Island. Rhode Island is nothing but big, empty homes that you go take a tour through and mobsters. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. What are these? Oh, yeah. generalizations. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Am I right on that? No, yeah. you're not right. It's yes. more densely Big, populated. empty homes oh, that you Rhode buy Island tickets and you tour and you're like, oh, wow, this is what it was like 100 years ago. And then somebody, a veto, pulls up and he's like, Look, I'm thinking about running for mayor. And you're like, okay, whatever you want. Oh, yeah. That's your experience in Rhode Island. You have been in Gary Johnson's stash, haven't you? <laughs> well, maybe. Okay. So, uh, yeah, there's only four electoral votes, but uh, New Mexico has five. So it's fairly close, to, you know. Uh, but uh, Rhode huh. Island to uh, leaning Democrat. It, we're getting polls into the single digits uh, in Rhode Island, and some of them pretty really? competitive. So while I still expect him That's to. That's pretty impossible, isn't it? Well, I mean, you know, you, one of the arguments for Trump, and one that Trump has made many times, is he's going to be able to hold his own in these northeastern states where he's well-known, and that has not shown up in New York or Connecticut yet. There's been a poll or two in New Jersey that's had it closer than you might expect for a typical Republican. And in Rhode Island, for whatever reason, it is not a heavily polled state, but because it's not certain, and some of the polls have been close, we moved it to just leaning Democrat. Mm. But for, that's a pretty... For New Jersey, closer than expected is what, teens? Uh, no, I, you know, some polls are showing it high single. Really? Um, so it's, it's wow. again, you know. Uh, well, I'm telling you, this is, this is Weird. Hillary Clinton's to lose. If Hillary Clinton But she's capable of that. Oh, my gosh. They bo- Look, would you be surprised if I came to you and either, either party, and I said, guys, have you heard the news? They have pictures of Hillary Clinton stabbing a 14-year-old to death because uh, because he was, uh, you know, uh, whatever. <laughs> would you, would you, no would you be reason. surprised? No real reason. Would you be surprised that she could, we could find something about her that she could be coast-to-coast coast toast? Well, no, because oh, we no. already have that list of 102 people. <laughs> okay, stop with the list. Uh, Same thing with there. Donald Trump. You could come to you could come. I could come to you guys and go. Did you hear the news about Donald Trump? Donald Trump has X, Y, Z and and he'd be over. Both of these guys are so capable of flaming out. Yeah, I kind of look at the the election as 
a 10% chance on either side that an external event could make it not even a contest. Yes. Um, you know, and, either and, side. And, and I think Economic more, collapse, uh, more likely more likely in favor of Donald Trump than Hillary Clinton. I agree. And because some of the things, they might have the, a somewhat equal um, opportunity to blow themselves up personally. But if, if, if there's has, an economic collapse that has yes. nothing to do with Hillary Clinton, obviously she's not in there. And the by the way, will be punished and she'll lose. And by the way, what month is is most economic collapse uh, happening? Apparently October. 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 Apparently October. Always in October. It does seem like that happened. Right. And so we could and we are ripe for an economic collapse. I don't think it's coming this fall, but it could happen this fall. And it, quite honestly, it could happen because of Russia pushing it over the edge. Russia, I think the thing that if I were Hillary Clinton, what would keep me up at well, every, if I were Hillary Clinton, everything would keep me up at night. Uh, my whole life. In, probably. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, what would keep me up at night is what does Russia, what is Russia going to do? Because I think they're serious about taking her out. Yeah, yeah I mean, you mean, as far as the election goes, there's going to come a point. There's going level. to come a point, I think, that if you have the right combination, even her supporters, I don't know, it's Trump. I, I think Rubio would be ahead by 20 points right now. Oh, yeah. So would because I think Ted. I mean, I don't think so. Any Ted would be. Would. Oh, I don't think so. I think Ted, Ted would be ahead maybe by a lot. Five to 10 nationally. But I think Rubio, it would have been just, it would have been over for Hillary Clinton. And you, and you look, you said that during the primary when you were I said out that, there supporting Cruz. I said, said that yeah. Rubio would do it. And to the point that Rubio put you in one of his campaign commercials. I know. I mean, I it know. was. You, I mean, Rubio would have been a non-brainer non because the attitude of the Democrats right now is, I believe, exactly the same thing. And this is the only thing either one of them got is. Not the other one. What is the number one argument you hear from even the most diehard supporters? She's not. He's not Clinton. Yeah, you can't have Clinton. You can't have Clinton. You can't have Clinton. And he is so polarizing on the other side that that's what her supporters are saying. If 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 one of those guys does something or something is released that is big, I think their I think their support could just dry up. Uh, I think it's it's certainly possible, but uh, you know you don't see huge margins like that typically in these elections. I mean, it, you know, an eight point margin, which is what McCain lost to Obama by, it was a little bit less than eight points, is about as big as you get in a typical election. Now, if there was a huge blowout, you could get up to the Reagan levels, and some of his uh, in his reelection was uh, you know sixteen, eighteen points. I mean, he, you can you can wow. have bigger ones, but really, we haven't had an election like that since then. Most of them but, are much closer. I thought I mean, what Jolan Goldberg said, if it happens, let's say, if it happens with Trump, something like that will be considered a mandate. And um, he'll do whatever he wants and he'll consider that a mandate. Yeah. Um, with, with Hillary Clinton, I don't think you could consider anything a mandate except not him. Right, because she's such a not quirky, different candidate. And, right, and she's not saying anything except not him. He's saying, "We're gonna, we're gonna export all the Muslims. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that." So if he, if he would win by ten points, twelve points, it could, it would be interpreted as a mandate to do those things. If she wins at a big margin, it's just a mandate, not him.
It does seem like it's this seems like a Trump election, right? Whether he can win, it seems to always be about him. And that's because he's the brightest personality here. Right. I mean, all the bright lines are around him. She right now, as we've talked about, seems to be running a campaign not to lose, which is not usually this is a good thing. If she does win, this is a really good thing. Even what's his name on the Today Show getting heat this week. What's his name? Lauer, Lauer, uh, Matt Lauer getting heat this week. Um, from the Democrats because he wouldn't leave her alone. They're calling him sexist because she kept interrupting him. When when they turn on their own and say, you're being a sexist, you know that they, they got nothing. You're saying that is trouble. the one good thing that would come from her win. Is, 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 one good thing is they the would press probably do her. not like her. Yeah. They uh, like Trump a lot less. They're, I think they're actually afraid of Trump. Yes. Um, and so they don't they don't like her. Yep. So when when it's just her or Kane, they'll pick Kane. Yes. Um, so let me give you a couple more states. We moved. We moved uh, Kansas and Indiana uh, over to the solid Republican side. There was some polling earlier on the last few weeks that was kind of had us only in the leaning category. Um, so that is uh, 17 electoral votes that we moved to solid. Republican. That's really good. If you're a Trump yeah, yeah, fan. Absolutely. Um, and we also moved Missouri from a toss-up state to a leaning Republican state. So we had some real movement for Donald Trump. That's a one, two, three, four states we moved towards the Republican side in the past week. One state that we moved the other way was Arizona, moving it from a leaning Republican state to a toss-up state. Um, and that's, uh, you know, uh, that one has been oh, really tight the whole time. Probably should have been a toss-up the whole time. The fundamentals sort of point towards um, a Republican, uh, a slightly Republican state, and McCain. The fervor in Arizona, traveling with Ted, the fervor in Arizona, that was the state that I began to say uh, his fans are rabid, rabid fans. I mean, the. For Cruz. For, no, uh-uh, for Trump. For Trump. Um, he, and, won, he won Arizona pretty easily. And I think what's going to I think what's going to um, what this is going to come down to is who can turn their people out, because I think a lot of people are just going to be like, I don't give a flying crap. And they're just not going to go, which is a mistake. But I think that I think we're going to see a very low turnout. So which which one has the fans that will turn out? And we do know that Trump has that crowd. Um, so where we stand right now is, for the Democrats, 196 solid uh, electoral votes. From last week? What was, what was it last week? It's just 203. 200, 203, something okay. like that. Um, and then uh, we have uh, 76 likely, um, which is going to put you at 272. Uh, yeah, 270. Right, yeah, 272. Um, which is, is enough to win. Enough to win. However, I mean, you know, it's the margin is seemingly shrinking. Two, yeah. For, uh, for Trump, you have 106 in the solid category, uh, 59 in the likely, which gives you uh, 165. That's down two, isn't it? Uh, well, he lost uh, Arizona for 11, but gained Missouri with for 10. Uh, so the calculus didn't change much, although it's a more solid, it's a, it's every a time better I, field. You know, every time I look at this, Stu, and you're better at these things than I am, I can look at all the poll numbers, and I don't see anybody talking about these numbers. I see them all talking about poll numbers, and it doesn't matter until you connect them to the Electoral College. Yes. This seems, every time I look at this, it seems impossible. Uh, it's very difficult. Um the, the the national polls will show movement, however, and these things, the, the state polls come a little bit later. So 
you could say that there's been a little bit of movement. But let me give you one thing. There's 101 uh, toss-up. So again, if Trump wins all of his solid, all of his leaners, and all the toss-ups, he still loses, which is problematic because he'd still have to pick other things out. But let me give you one path because we've been looking for a path that doesn't include Pennsylvania. And I think, and I have one, and it's very narrow. It does include New Hampshire, where he's not polling well at all. He'd have to win North and South Carolina, along with Georgia. Um, he can Indi- do that. He can win Ohio and Indiana, both swing states. He can win both of those. He can do that. ahead in Ohio? He, uh, eh, it's back and forth. Some polls have him ahead. It's a it's straight-out swing state right now. Um, he'd have to uh, hold on to all of his uh, you know leaning states that we've talked about. Uh, he'd have to win Nevada, which is hard, but... He uh, polls better there than you'd expect. He does pretty well in Nevada. You do all of that. New Hampshire is the really tough piece of this right now, which is really difficult. But if you can pull that off, the interesting that would put it at 269, 269, um, which is obviously a tie. He could win just straight out there. The interesting point, though, is that Maine breaks up its electoral votes in a weird way. You get one for the state um, and then you get uh, uh, um, one for each uh, district or two for the state and one for each district. One of the districts, Donald Trump, is oddly winning right now. Uh, and it looks like he might actually squeak out one electoral vote from Maine, which would put, which would him, put him at, at 270 and win 270 to 268. Um, it's a really narrow path, and you need states like New Hampshire, where he's, he's in high single digits behind right now. But if he could somehow figure that out, that leaves it so he does not have to win Pennsylvania, which to me hey, has been the important Real quick, important give, me, give me your um, last word on this. If you had to bet your house on it right now, who wins? Uh, Hillary Clinton. Clearly or just kind of like, uh, I think? It's much easier, much easier for me to get her to 300 electoral votes than to get him to 270. Okay. Um, now this. The most important decision you make in life is who you surround yourself with. And my mother used to say that with friends, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Um, I know that to be true with my wife. uh, And I know that with my friends. And as a business owner, boy, do I know it when it comes to hiring the right people and making sure that we're all on the same path. If you screw that one up, your your country or your company just goes off the rails. So it's really important. Now, if you're a small business owner, it is also really hard to take the time, especially if you're growing fast or you're just way busy. It is really hard to do that. We found ZipRecruiter. Now, ZipRecruiter, over a million businesses use ZipRecruiter. And what they do is um, you post your job um, to 100 plus job sites, all with a single click. And that includes Facebook and Twitter and everything else. And you can find candidates in any city, any industry, all nationwide. You post once, and then the qualified candidates, they pull them from the 6 million resumes that are current. But then they also, by the next day, you're starting to see the ones that are rolling in on your specific um, candidate. And it's really easy because they have this interface where you can sort the ones, and you're not fielding phone calls, you're not getting calls at the office, or people stopping by, or anything like that. Very, very easy, especially if you're a small business owner like I am. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Do it for free right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
listening to the Glenn Beck Program. The issue which makes Trump's road so difficult to get to win this thing is that it's very easy. There's a ton of paths for Hillary Clinton to get to 300 and 310 and 320. You miss one. There is no path for Donald Trump to get to 320, 330, 340. That seems at all legitimate. So his all of his paths to win are 270, 272. Unless, unless, unless the debates dramatic. or the, something dramatic happens Absolutely. in the press. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. If he lost Georgia and Pennsylvania, would it be over? Okay. Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Glad that you are here. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Electoral College uh, because as we found in 2000, a lot of people don't understand the Electoral College and it is very easy to say this election was rigged if you don't understand the Electoral College. And while numbers are changing and things Stu, would you say things are looking up compared to four weeks ago for Donald Trump? Oh, definitely. In the Electoral College? Uh, yes, even in the Electoral College, hey. they're proving. Right, so, uh, so that's important for you to know and important for you to share with your friends how the Electoral College works and what role that plays. I, w- I want to see what states are critical um, that if he doesn't, if he doesn't win, um, you'll know pretty early. Uh, how things are going. And if he does start to sweep this one group of states, you'll know that Hillary Clinton is uh, is in trouble early. Uh, would you agree, Stu, that this is an early night either way? Uh, it can be an early night for Clinton to win. I don't think it would be an early night if she loses. I think it would be a longer night if she were to lose. Again. I guess I guess you're right because he would have to win. He's got to get into the leaning states, right? Which uh, some of those are some of those are you know out west as well. So we'll get into that. Also, I want to tell you about this great new show um, that uh, I have found, and um, and also our serial, the last episode of the unions and the role they play. For- Forget about the Koch brothers. Forget about even George Soros. The most important political ally that the Democrats have, the labor unions. We finish up that serial and we begin that about a half hour. Let's get started right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Pat, will you do me a favor? Look at the good... Are there any good movies opening up this weekend? Anybody have any plans this weekend? Uh, uh, yes, yes, it's called the National Football, Football League. League. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Most oh. men have that plan. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to be... Second, you know, yeah. I'm... Yeah, so... so you're going to be... Uh, oh, you know what starts this weekend? Sully. Oh, oh wow. yes. That oh, looks really that good. Looks really good. Really good. You know, I, I, watching the preview for Sully, and you watch the trailer, 
they make it seem like he was this tortured character and everyone was yeah. questioning him. Yeah. I don't remember a word of that. I don't either. All I remember him was landing the plane, hero. That's all I remember. I Investigators yeah. are, are already saying, it wasn't like that. We didn't, there, there was no, we didn't cast suspicion on him. It didn't go down like that. No, I don't and remember the producer, that at Why would they do the that? Are, I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I, I guess you need I haven't heard a response but... yet from the the people who made the movie as to whether, or to Sully himself. All I know, so I whether know. it is a boat, a plane, a spacecraft, do not, not go vacationing yes. with Tom Hanks. <laughs> Thank you. Because okay, yeah. um, we were in New York when that happened. Yeah, we could see it from our building. The plane, the, the boats coming up and rescuing people off, the, off that yeah, plane. It was pretty amazing. Pretty mm. amazing. So we were pretty engaged in that story. I mean, we, we didn't see the yeah. plane hit the water. But, I mean, right outside our Hero. studios in New York, you could see where it was. Hero. And immediately... I, at least to, to my perception, everyone considered him a hero. No one could believe how well he did. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. And then in the movie trailer, it's like, was he drunk? I like, I don't remember any of that going on at the time. Why didn't you land at LaGuardia? It was right you there. You could have turned around and made it. Well, because I really wanted to try to land an aircraft in the water. Right. I don't, I, and I haven't been swimming in a long time. <laughs> right. But it, it looks so refreshing. <laughs> it was. It, it does look like a riveting movie. Though. It does. Uh, Tom Hanks, when Tom Hanks is, is good, Tom Hanks is great. Yeah. I don't He's, know I've ever seen him bad. Uh, yeah, he's been in bad movies, but yes. I don't know that. I don't know though. I don't know if I mean, I've ever seen him bad either. No, he's he's always good. He's been in some movies that were not good. He's bad when he talks politics. Go in the volcano I versus the volcano. That. Yeah, uh, you know, bad. yeah, uh, comedy. Some people like yeah. some. I mean, some of his comedy stuff early on was a little sticky that some people don't. I love the, the money. The Lady Killers Bachelor was Party. Bad. Lady Killers was really bad. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like see that, at that. all. Um, I think that's what it was called, right? Like, Let me, can I just tell, can I tell you? I told Pat, and and I I wonder about this one because I tried to watch it with my son, and and Rafe was like, "Dad, please, they're in colonial clothes, please, no." I'm with him on that, by the way. I totally yeah. I mean, and I had a hard time because I honestly, the first couple of episodes, I'm having flashback to my mother watching upstairs downstairs and and I don't I don't even know what that thing was about it was just on the BBC and it tainted my view of the BBC and only Sherlock could break that everything that came from the BBC I I would break out in cold sweat it's like upstairs downstairs horrible horrible stuff and then you put people in colonial clothes then all I can think of is like I don't know Emma or one of those it Jane was a Austen great movie. Oh, stop! It's a Austin. great movie. Oh my gosh, Jane Austen. Jane, Jane Austen is awesome. Oh my gosh, who are you? Awesome. Pat Gray is. Saying, I am a well-rounded individual. Are you, Brigadier? That's who I am. Oh, I I'll tell you. I'll tell you how well. I can't take Jane Austen movies because they're always the same with some guy in a uniform that's going, "Hey, look at me! I'm here to rescue you." Oh, shut up! Let me tell you how well-rounded Pat Gray is. I don't know any of them that are like that. Uh, first of all, pretty much once a week, we uh, we will venture. Uh, out together and uh, get lunch at Taco Bell because we're healthy individuals. That's right. Uh, and when we do, Pat often will drive because uh, he has more room in his car uh, and we're fat. And so, um, and when we get in without fail, uh, at the loudest volume I have ever heard in my entire life in a car is Boston playing. Not every As time. soon as he turns on oh, yeah. the ignition. Not every time. Sometimes it's foreigner. Yeah. It is sometimes foreigner. I will yeah. say. Once in a while. For him to be, say, Jane. 
For him to say Jane Austen. That is surprising. God, I, on, that's crazy. I feel like it was so a little well rounded friend? I am. I guess well, so. you are getting more and more well rounded. Yes. Um, so, anyway, <laughs> the. Uh, uh, Welcome. So I'm surprised that you like it because it's in colonial clothes, and I have a hard time with that even myself. Yeah, I have a pretty bright line at World War II. That's my personal policy. Anything before World War II, no thanks. I do not share that policy. I don't share that either, but when yeah. you get to colonial times, I have a really hard time with it. Yeah, I don't know. What's your period. line? Do you have a time period line? You're talking about you love turn. Uh, no, I didn't. A lot of, you didn't? No, I watched maybe two episodes and didn't like it. As you spoke of it highly on this. No, I watched maybe, okay, maybe three episodes. And I liked it. And then something happened and I was like, eh. Well, there's a lot of sex. And we had to turn it off. Oh, it wasn't. I hate that. I have a hard time. (laughs) I know you don't. I have a a hard time. You're probably watching it with your four and five-year-old kids. Hey, look at that. (laughs) What a rack. (laughs) So anyway. So this is uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr... Uh, Noel, Noel, Novel, Novel, Norrell, Norrell, Norrell. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. It is so great. Did you see the? What's the movie that everybody's saying is like uh, uh, the 1980s uh, series? Things. Stranger Things. It's exactly like that, except it doesn't have kids. It's set in the 1700s, not the 1980s. It's got magic, not um, creepy thing. There is no children in it. It sounds but it's just like, like that. Like it. It's, it's almost. just like that. Is it a sequel? Do we know? No. Maybe no. it's a prequel? Uh, could be a prequel. No, it, it's, about, uh, it's about these guys. It, it just starts with this guy who is looking for the magic of England. Where, what happened? You know, we had you know, Merlin. Did he exist or not? Was he a legend or was there real magic and the fairies and everything else? What happened? And he's trying to find it, and, and he's reading all these books and trying to find the old lost books, and he can't find anything. And the magicians are like, well, we're not, we're, 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 um, we're students of magic. We, we wouldn't dare do that now. And uh, it's just a total sham. And he's finally turned on to one guy, Mr. Norell, who has this great library of all of the magic books uh, from, uh, you know, from, from, you know, the times of wizards and King Arthur. And he says, he's a magician. And he, um, he goes to parliament, they're at war with the French, and he goes to parliament and he convinced one, one member from uh, parliament to take him in and introduce him and let him speak in front of parliament and offer his services. Well, he doesn't, he misunderstands. He doesn't think that he's really proposing using magic in the war, and so he stands up and everybody laughs at him and he's like, I would not have introduced you if I thought that was what you were going to talk about. And he's like, no, it'll really work. And he's like, get out. Um, and, uh, and so that parliamentary, uh, that parliamentarian, uh, his, his wife, is that a, right? Is that parliamentarian. A parliamentarian. His, uh, his wife dies. And so Mr. Norell says, will you reintroduce me if I can save your wife? And he's like, she's dead dead she's been dead for two days yeah i know but i think i can bring him bring her back what he doesn't know is um he is when he's using this um he he conjures up a a dark spirit who says oh i will uh, absolutely uh, but i'll help you with that and i'll bring her back but i want something in return and he says what do you want and he says, uh, 
How old is she? He says, 19. And she's going to live until she's about 90. And he said, Mr. Norell, all I want is half her life. And she, he says, it's a lot better than being dead now, I guess. Okay, deal. But I don't ever want to see you again. And he says, fine. And you just know, don't make this deal. The deal he made is for half her life, but not when she's 40. I want all of her time when she sleeps. I want half her day. And so now she goes to this other world, this other, you know, magic world, if you will, which is really quite dark and scary at night. And she can't tell anyone what's going on because she, every time she starts to say, she looks insane. And as she starts to say what's going on, she just starts talking about fairy tales. And she's like, and there's these little men that uh, hide and no, that's not what I'm trying to say. No. And it's, it, it's, she looks crazy. And so they institutionalize her and uh, things spiral out of control. By episode five, it's like, uh, unlike any story I've ever seen on television, it is great. Mm. But they're wearing wigs. Ah. And it's going to require you getting past your phobia of upstairs, downstairs. If you had a traumatic experience like I did, and my mother would commandeer the television one night and watch Masterpiece Theater. <laughs> and you'd want to hang yourself. Did you uh, sense that you are escaping here with this show? It seems pretty escapist. Oh my gosh, even if I could live on the other side of the mirror with the bad guy, it might be a happier existence. <laughs> yes. Because you you find yourself looking for those uh, sorts of moments to jump out of this. This is why you know. I'm, I'm telling you, I've that's Doctor Who too. Right? I've given yeah, I've given. Uh, I, I pretty much you know me. I haven't been watching television in I don't know how many years. In the last six months, I have binged on television and Twinkies like nobody's business. Kind of the Jeffy plan. The Jeffy plan. Yeah, just not I'm, that bad of a plan. Yeah, no, it's not. I like it. I like it. And I don't have to pay anybody extra for it. I can just do it myself. You know, it doesn't require a lot of discipline. Just eat and lay around and watch episode after episode of something. Not that hard. Yeah. Uh, hard to stop doing that. And I, quite honestly, <laughs> I don't watch TV anymore in the, in, you know, like, hey, it's Thursday night. I just oh, no binge. No. I mean, no way. Is anybody? Is anybody? I don't know. I'm even getting to the point. Is anybody else like this? I don't like, now this is only one season. Uh, there's only one season out, Excuse but uh, it, it's fantastic. Just that one season is just worth, I mean, if they stopped doing it right now, it is such a perfect television show that I'd actually be happy. It was like, wow. It was like, I was like, okay, if that's the, the those are the only 10 you make, I'm completely satisfied. Really, mm. really remarkable. But, but, yeah, I, I'm at the point too where it, if I don't see, I'm about four seasons. If they haven't done four seasons of the show, I don't want to start it. I have to, uh, honestly, I don't usually, if it's only one season, you're like, that's bad. Right, like you, you feel like yeah. it can't be good. Yeah. because can't be good. Plus, or if it's good, then you just get, as soon as you get your, your teeth into it, you're sunk into it, and then it's over. And, it's over. Like, and, and if, especially if it's coming it's from a lot the of BBC, times. I don't even understand how they're doing it. Yeah. When, what have you done with Sherlock? 
I've been waiting for like three years for the next season. Well, they probably yeah, the new, they no, probably lost Cumberbund or whatever his name. Yeah, they've got a, they have a new Sherlock Cinnabon. coming in that contract. Cinnabon. Yeah, the, Bernard yeah, Cinnabon. It's, I believe. Uh, it's another year, I think, because uh, he's you know he's in every movie that comes out now. And now this earlier this week. By the way, can you find? Was it Doctor Strange? Isn't that the new Marvel that he's in? Yes. That looks yeah. fantastic. When does that come out? I don't know, but it looks good. Um, earlier this week, international monetary experts said, quote, the majority of the developed world either ha- already has or is introducing legislation to require depositor bail-ins in the event of bank failures. Listen up. What did I just say? That the ma- majority of the developed world either has introduced or already has passed legislation that says there's no more bank bailouts for, uh, for, from the government. It's depositor bailouts. So you have your money in a bank account, kiss it goodbye, that bank goes down, they're not going to ask the federal government, they've got all the money they need, your money. And it's all, read the fine print. Go ask your bank. I can guarantee you 90% of the money in America is already sitting in a bank that has done this and they've already changed their their fine print. Ask them about it. Or you could put 10% of what you have in gold and actually have something that is real currency. Gold line. Buy with their, uh, their, with comfort, with their price guarantee program. Act now. Ensure you acquire the special bullion, uh, bullion uh, units available only from gold line. They're called legal tender units. This is unlike anything that I've ever seen before and an easy way to start small with gold. Call 866-465-3546. Read Goldline's important risk information. Find out if buying gold is right for you. 1-866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Program. We're just talking about um, Sherlock is coming back this January, but there's only three episodes <laughs> the season. series. Only three. Um, and Cumberbund is back. So you're good. Batch? <laughs> Whatever. Right? Um, yeah. Um, and we were talking about that they announced this at, uh, at Comic-Con. I've never been to Comic-Con. I'd love to go. I think it seems like fun. The problem is... Mm. When will the Comic-Con people turn like uh, the Burning Man people turned last week? Yeah. Did you guys hear about this? Yes, I did. Not really. They, turned, the, they went into full-fledged class warfare. And oh, right, because they're pissy about rich people coming and getting like, all the nice... Yes. Uh, right, and they're... Why? They're, I mean, they're just... They're coming, and they're just doing a different lifestyle. Yeah, well, I mean, that, they've been ticked anyway because Burning Man organization just spent a bunch of money and bought a bunch of property in Nevada, too, separate from where they make Black Rock City. And so they're starting to turn to the rich people. I mean, I'm only getting up so the burners, on that a little bit, but I, I thought really anything best. goes there. The burners are really not. No, no, no. Wealth? They, is correct. that the deal? Yeah. Correct. Well, it's a wow. very big left thing. It's very yes. lefty. Is it? Yeah. 
And so now the Hollywood people are coming out, the really, really rich. And what they did to these people last weekend is they cut off their water, cut off their power, and then they super glued these trailer doors shut so nobody could get out of their trailers. And the reason why they said is because... They're not letting people into their private parties. Right. And the next thing they'll do is super glue the doors to be open. and then set to, it on fire. It's supposed to be all-inclusive, though. That's part of Burning Man we'll is, is all-inclusive and everybody you know gets along and everybody's part of the deal. Uh, uh, so you're not supposed to be blocked off for your little private party, Richo. Oh, you're not. You okay. Well, you I will say that. I, I know a guy. So if, I'm, if I have a trailer and I'm a poor guy, anyone could walk in and just sit at my table? No. I, a friend of mine goes to these things all the time he's been like every year that i've known him um and he's he's like a big libertarian guy too Uh, but he has the same complaint of like you know say he i mean he's libertarian so he doesn't care but he's like it's not really the spirit of the thing to come in here with your like you know your unbelievable trailer and park a million miles away from everybody um so i I mean i really don't understand the culture at all of it but that what i remember him saying that and it, it kind of fits with this although he you know he would never super glue Somebody's trailer shot. I don't, I don't know that. I don't know it. No, but I mean, you know. I, there's obviously going to be some crazy... Per- when, when, that's the, when there's a class struggle, you're in the middle of nowhere, there's no enforcement, people are doing whatever they want, there's probably some substances at use. These things are going to occur, right? Well, I mean, it, it happens in the you know Indy 500. It happens at the Kentucky Derby, where you've got different cultures kind of clashing. <laughs> You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. No one can deny the fact that labor unions have brought positive changes to the labor environment in America. Rather than a 12 to 16 hour day, Americans work eight hours a day. We have paid vacations, lunch and other breaks during the workday. We have weekends off, overtime pay, child labor laws and others. But these changes have come at a very high cost. There's been violence that in many cases took lives, mafia influence in many union shops. Performance and merit now are meaningless if you pay your union dues. And virtually nothing can remove you from your job, even if you're a lazy slug or, in the case of teachers' unions, touching children. There's been a serious loss of freedom for Americans who believe they have the right to work without paying union dues. And socialist, Marxist, communist, and progressive infiltration and ideology has spilled into the government, in part due to massive and unprecedented political contributions to radical candidates and causes. And let's not forget the rampant racism keeping blacks out of unions, the union label, which meant that the product was made by whites, as the union cigar label actually spelled out, and the Davis-Bacon Act which was a law that was passed in 1931 with the specific intent of preventing non-unionized blacks and immigrant laborers from competing with unionized white workers for scarce jobs during the Depression. 
Burgess Owens, who wrote the book Liberalism, had this to say about the Davis-Bacon Act and its racist aims under the guise of union protection. The Democratic Party put together some called the Davis-Bacon Act just for the purpose of um, protecting white unions against the black entrepreneurs. Uh, and it, 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 it says a lot to the, the, the tenacity, the drive, the understanding of the free enterprise that uh, the black race had at that time, and also the, the threat uh, to those who um, uh, did not want to compete against them. If you listen to CNBC, Bloomberg, or any financial network, you'll hear about the coming destruction of the bond market. What does that mean? Well, the bonds that you vote for, for better schools, more police, or firemen, are causing the cities to collapse from the inside. All over the nation, unions fought for and received massive pension promises for their government employees. Long after workers have left their job and retired, they continue to receive the majority of their working salary for life. Unfortunately, the money is simply not there to deliver on these crazy promises. In fact, simply not there is the understatement of the 21st century. According to a recent study that appeared in Forbes magazine, total unfunded state pension promises using market values were $3.28 trillion, with a T. The only way to fulfill these promises would be for state legislatures to enact massive spending cuts and gigantic tax increases on the citizens of their state, who didn't promise any of that money, certainly don't personally owe the money, and are not responsible or accountable in any way whatsoever, but are the ones who will be held accountable for the union's over-promises, and they are the ones who will eventually bear the brunt of this incredibly unfair situation anyway. Congress recently took some amazing steps to protect those Americans who had nothing to do with the union's pension deals. Michael Hudson, an economic professor at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, discussed the congressional budget. A budget is not supposed to rewrite the law, but what happened to something very radical? Uh, they, they rewrote two laws. Um, one of the laws was about bank derivatives uh, that Elizabeth Warren has spoken about, uh, promising to bail out uh, Citibank and other banks. If they lose on derivatives, they're going to get bailed out like they did in 2008. Uh, and the other was a, de- uh, a decision not to bail out the Pension uh, Benefit Guarantee Corporation, uh, the government's pension fund insurer. They've decided, they passed a new law, they rewrote the law, they declared the 1974 uh, ERISA Act uh, protecting pensions illegal, and they said in the, if uh, pension funds cannot pay their retirees, uh, they get to be cut back, and they don't get to go to the government uh, to get guarantee. We've abolished the government guarantee on pension funds uh, uh, if the pension fund is run by a labor union. So should the government guarantee workers' pensions? Sometimes people forget the government doesn't have a retail store that it runs. It doesn't sell any products that it has made. The government is not a money-making entity. When the government guarantees wages, that means you, the American taxpayer, is on the hook for that guarantee. So has it all been worth it? Do the victories won by the unions in the workplace outweigh the heavy cost? You, as the American citizen, you, as the taxpayer, you, as the up-and-coming next generation of Americans, 
will have to be the judge. One of the reasons that unions are in this precarious position is that for decades now, they have been experiencing declining union membership. There simply aren't the number of working employees available in the unions anymore to make the payments to those who have been promised the money. It's a giant Ponzi scheme. The Bureau of Labor Statistics says labor union membership is at its lowest level since the 1930s. According to the department, unionization is on the decline. Union membership was declining so drastically that in 2008, the unions used their muscle with Democrats to try to force the card check or the Employee Free Choice Act. Card check was legislation in Congress that was a union sign-up card. If 50% of the unions plus one in any given workplace signed the card, it became a union shop. There were several problems, one of which was that the cards went directly to the National Labor Relations Board to be counted. The employer never got to see or count the cards. They were just forced to trust the word of the union board and accept the verdict from them, as would any employee who voted no. Ryan Walton, former organizing director for the UFCW Local 700 in Indianapolis, details some of the other issues with the Employee Free Choice Act. The dishonest person who goes out there and just misleads people, bullies them, intimidates them, does whatever they can to get those cards signed, is going to be able to produce a stack of cards. They can say anything or do anything to get them to sign the card. They can take them out for a couple of beers and have them intoxicated and sign them up. They can go to people's homes, knock on their doors as many times as they want, harass them, bother them, whatever they want to do. You can tell them that the card is to sign up for a mailing list. And they sign it, and that signature means every bit as much as someone who signs it making a fully informed choice. So the union organizers who were under a lot of pressure to produce cards would carry two-color cards. And they would go to someone's house, and they would knock on their door, and they would say, we're asking people who don't want the union to sign the red cards, and people who do want the union to sign the blue cards, and the person who was opposed to the union would sign the red card. Not reading the authorization language. Getting someone to sign a union authorization card is it is not a fact-based process. It is an emotional process. You have the worker who's in an emotional state because they're upset because that day the supervisor yelled at them on the floor. You also have situations where a coworker gives it to them and maybe they don't really want to sign the card but they do it just because they don't want to upset their coworker. You also have it where they will literally sign it just to, so people will stop bothering them. The union organizer comes by their house, knocks on their door day after day after day. They say, fine, give me the stupid thing. I'll sign it and be done with this process. Incredibly, and to the relief of so many right-to-work advocates, the legislation failed. It was a very rare instance where politicians did not cave into union interests. So is the power and influence of unions in America actually waning? What are the potential next presidents of the United States saying about them? In 2011, Donald Trump said, I have a great relationship with unions. I understand what's happening, let's say, in Wisconsin. I understand is what's Walker happening. Is Walker right in Wisconsin? I think that he is maybe right for his state. I think it doesn't necessarily apply to all states. You know, I've had a great relationship over the years with unions. We've had collective bargaining. I've become very wealthy. I've dealt with unions because, as you know, New York is largely unions. You're dealing with them. I have great friends that are in unions and heads of unions. So I haven't had the same difficulty and problem. But I think you have to do what's right for your area. I respect him. He's tough. Walker, you He's unyielding, about? yes. He's unyielding. 
and maybe sometimes too unyielding and maybe not too unyielding. He wants Wisconsin to come back. He wants to have a great balanced budget. So I understand what he's doing. And Hillary Clinton on the campaign trail. I think it's pretty clear. You look at when we built the American middle class, it came out of the American labor movement. Unions provided provided the ability to bargain with powerful economic interests. That is the history. And I look at what your governor has done, destroying, destroying unions, making it more difficult for families. I got a letter from a union electrician from DeForest. He wrote me and he said, I'm working as hard as I can. My wife is a teacher. She makes $36,000 a year. She's working as hard as she can. The cost of everything, including childcare, is going up. And every time I turn around, the governor of my state is trying to make my life even harder. You know, I thought you were in public life to actually make the lives of the people you served better, not harder. Clinton's pandering to unions was important enough for her and her campaign staff that they actually turned it into a commercial for her presidential run. However, her rhetoric was very different when she was a Walmart board member. Walmart, of course, is non-union, and some of its officials have been decidedly anti-union over the years. But Hillary didn't seem to have any concern over that during this Walmart board meeting in 1990. You know, as a shareholder and director of our company, I'm always proud of Walmart and what we do and the way we do it better than anybody else. Despite the union's incredibly checkered past and present and dwindling membership, they still continue to greatly influence America's politicians and political process. Why? Money. They continue to be the largest contributors to the Democrats and progressive causes. What the future holds for them remains to be seen. What that future means for us depends on what the politicians do. But again, whether or not the positives outweigh the negatives outlined here is up to each American to decide. Want more cereals? You can listen to every episode at glenbeck.com slash cereals. Next week, you'll learn about the history of the 912 movement. Glenn Beck. Is your home protected when you're away? How would I know the answer to that question? I'm away. How would I know? Is your family safe when you're not there? Again, I don't know. I'm away. I'm hoping. With Simply Safe, you can get the best protection and you can leave the hope behind. Um, it's it's uh, 24-7 personal protection for your family, for your home. And it is a way for you to completely be in charge. It's completely wireless. It's brand new technology. Uh, that has been tried and and uh, and tested in homes across the country for a very long time now, uh, and it is the way that you are in control because it's wireless. There is there are no strings in a contract. Um, you don't even have a contract, and you own it, so you take it with you. If you are living in an apartment complex or a home, you can move when you move. Simply safe. It's the right way to take care of your family and make sure that. All of the things that you find value in your home are safe when you're not there. Monthly monitoring is $14.99 a month. No long-term contract. Go to simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. Go there now and get a free shipping on your order and free keychain remote 
worth more than, uh, I think it's 25 bucks. Simplysafe.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. Simplysafebeck.com. Glenn Beck. Mercury. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glenbeck.com. So it's, you know, it's it's not exactly the kind of Labor Day, you know, week coverage that you would find on CNBC or or really any place. Um, but we wanted to celebrate Labor Day. Um, you know, look up Labor Day. I'll bet you that was either Theodore Roosevelt or Woodrow Wilson that started <laughs> that. Um, but... Um, uh, we thought it was important to talk to you about the unions this week. If you've missed any of the episodes, just make sure you go to glenbeck.com slash serials uh, and, and just listen to them. They're all free and uh, share them with a friend. I, uh, I, and you'll see about 40 different topics up there already, and they're great. Each of them are great. It is, uh, unfortunately, we're trying to figure out a way, way to make it cheaper, but... Um, it's the most expensive, you know, 10 or 15 minutes on daily commercial radio um, in the country. And we're very, very proud of them. And we, we learn a lot when we're, when we're um, doing them. What was the thing that you learned out of this, Pat, that was the most surprising to you? Ah, on the union thing? On the union thing, yeah. I, I, I guess just how immersed they've been in um, communism. violence, communism, and mobs. I'd forgotten about the, you know, it used to be talked about quite a bit was the mob connection. I completely forgot about that. And this really brought that home. But I, I had no idea that they were essentially run by the mobs for about 60 years. And, and, that, and uh, before that, that communists. It was the communist, communists. And, and communists yeah. with the mobs. And they made, yes. they made, back in those days, Donald Trump look crazy yeah. left-wing on immigration policy. Yes. I mean, they were... It, well, Cesar Chavez. Yeah, they wanted yes. to beat people up. They oh, the violence to, was yeah. overwhelming. I mean, Cesar Chavez, the oh. guy we have built streets for in every major city in America, Cesar Chavez used to shoot people coming across the border. I mean, yeah, they were the, and you're not learning that in school, are you? No, they were the biggest opponents of illegal yeah, immigration. The guy, um, they, they came across the border and took jobs from people. Yeah. And they didn't so when did, that. because the unions now are against all the, um, you know, anything that stops, you know, uh, illegal immigration. How do they get away with that with their people? I guess they don't care. They don't. They don't care. There's new union membership, and their you know their membership is dwindling to the point where they need everybody yeah. they can possibly get, and I think that's why their position has changed on illegals. More potential union members. It is such a system of the past. Yep. You know, all big time. All this progressivism is 1900s eugenics, communist kind of crazy stuff. It's outdated. Mercury.
Well, it wouldn't be 2016 without another yummy serving of crazy in our lives. North Korea has apparently tested another nuclear weapon. This time, some reports say it's actually double the size of their previous tests. But don't worry about that at all. Geraldo has apologized for not believing Gretchen Carlson in her sexual harassment suit. He had some choice words for his former boss, Roger Ailes, over at Fox. I believe he referred to Roger as, quote, a deceitful, selfish misogynist, end quote. We'll get into those stories if we have time later this hour, and we'll memorialize the 9-11 tragedy as we approach the 15-year anniversary. But first, uh, Glenn is getting this guy on the line right now. He's wanting to hear from a guest. Uh, he wrote a very important book. He's been talking about it a lot. His name is Roy Williams, and the book is Pendulum, How Past Generations Shape Our Present and Predict Our Future. It really is a fascinating way to look at history, not only where we've been, but also where we're going. We talk to Roy Williams right now. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Roy Williams, author of the book Pendulum. Welcome to the program, sir. How are you? Hey, it's great to be here, Glenn. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor to talk to you. I'd love to sit down with you at some point and, and, and really go in depth. I tell you, I, I read your book. People have been telling me about this book since it came out. And I've got a stack of books uh, that I, I have to go through. Well, I, I, picked imagine, your, yeah. I, I picked your book up, and I think I finished it in three hours. I couldn't turn the pages fast enough. What a, wow. what a tremendous, tremendous uh, work you have done. Um, Thank you. F- for anybody who doesn't know what it is, um, explain it. Oh, gee, Glenn. Okay. I mean, just explain the general theory, and then we'll okay. get into specifics. General okay. theory. Basically, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a window of time, and uh, it, it's spoken of 27 different times in the Bible. And it says that we become an entirely different people every 40 years. And I, I tried to figure out why that was happening, and I realized that um, we're torn between two good things. Of course, all the most important decisions in life are the choice between two good things. Those are the only hard choices. You know, justice or mercy. Um, You know, freedom or responsibility. Uh, Honesty or loyalty. These things are both good, of course, but they come into conflict. And so what happens is we always overvalue one, and as a society, as the, the body politic, as the group, we overvalue it, and we take a good thing too far. And it's very predictable how long it takes us to do this. And then we begin to realize what we've done. And it begins to feel empty, and, and we begin to see the, the dark underbelly of what we've done. And we start going back the other direction. And when we reach the middle, halfway between the two extremes, things are usually pretty good. And then when we take the other good thing too far, we have the same problem. And so from one extreme to the other extreme is 40 years, but a a complete round trip is 80 years. And you can chart this for the past 3,000 years, Glenn. I I was, 
I was. How long did it take you to chart this? Because uh, I mean, I you know, you go back all the way three thousand years, and you see it. And how long did it take you? Well, it, it came on me in a weird kind of an intuition. I, I woke up one morning in two thousand three. It was about this time of year, and. You know, I think in the autumn, a lot of us get a little bit reflective. We start thinking about, you know, the year that we're kind of wrapping up and uh, did we get everything done we wanted to do? And I was in kind of that frame of mind and it hit me. In late 2003, I said, you know, I remember this. This is 1963 all over again. Mm -hmm. I remember 1963, but we're going the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. And the thought was so clear in my head, Glenn. And I said, what the heck? And I just began to investigate it. Now, it took about a year for me to get to the bottom of it. And then I began to present it as a, as a presentation all over the world, uh, mostly to advertising professionals. And um, then finally, people said, you have to put this in a book. And I said, well, we don't really want to do that because now we're getting into the ugly part. In 2004, 2005, 2006, it was exciting. It was fun because we're down near the balance point, which was 2003. I said, but when we get past 2013, we're in real trouble. And I said, nobody's going to want to read this book if it comes out mm. in 2012, because the next you know, 10 years are pretty, pretty weird. Okay, so um, um, as I read the comparisons, and you go all the way back, as you read the comparisons, um, first of all, let's explain the two zeniths are the we generation and the me generation. Can you explain that? Sure. Um, and remember, these are both good things. I mean, everybody's tendency, Glenn, is to choose one and then disparage the other. But there are no bad extremes. Um, we just always take a good thing too far. And so a we is basically working together for the common good. It's whenever nobody is worried about personal freedom or self-expression. They're worried about working together for the common good. And in a we, which is where we're at now... Or going into. Well, we've been in it since 2003, but when you hit 2013, you're halfway up the 20-year upswing. We're at the zenith. The zenith is 2023. 2023 is when it's as bad as it's going to get. And so uh, at 2013, things start to accelerate. And, you know, I I started saying that in 2004. The point being this, um, whoever defines the common good um, kind of controls the masses Um, And then the the me generation on the other extreme is about individuality, self-expression, you know, do your own thing, march to the beat of a different drummer, you know, uh, whoever dies with the most toys wins, second place is the first loser. And so me is all about individuality and self-expression and freedom. And we is all about uh, groupthink. It's about we need to clean up this mess. We need to get together and straighten this horrible tragedy out so to tell me tell me the because you you know you, you make it very clear in the book and the examples of what we're headed for are pretty frightening um if you look in the past well, you want to give some of them well yeah now let's look at the me for a second um at the zenith of the of the last me okay which was 1983 Ronald Reagan is president, and he says to Mikhail Gorbachev, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And uh, at the zenith of the me before Teddy Roosevelt, uh, excuse me, before Ronald Reagan, we had Teddy Roosevelt. 
yeehaw, let's go down to Cuba and become a world power. And at the zenith of the, of the me prior to Teddy Roosevelt, we had James Monroe, who gave us the Monroe Doctrine. And he's the, one who, he's the president who told Europe, if you come into our hemisphere, we will sink your ships. We are at war. We will end you. So the Monroe Doctrine is the first time in the history of America we stood up and flexed our muscles and said, don't be coming over here messing around. And so from James Monroe and then Teddy Roosevelt and then Ronald Reagan, that's modern history. It goes back 120 years. And then on the other side, at the zenith of the previous we generation, when we're talking about groupthink, we had Franklin Delano Roosevelt, 1943, FDR. And at the zenith of the we before FDR, we had Abraham Lincoln, you know, binding up the wounds of the nation, trying to gather everybody to back together and, and uh, make us a single nation again, trying to, to think of the group instead of the individual. And you look at these people and you say, you know, there's, there's not a bad one and a good one. It's just different ways of thinking for the masses. It's not about individuals. It's however, not, you know, however, those are all American uh, examples. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, 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 and and we have we have been greatly blessed uh, for the most part um, because um, you know we didn't have the uh, the political turmoil as much as we had in in other countries, and we had things that really united us. You said something just a minute ago that depending on who controls the narrative, uh, that's, that's where you get into trouble. For instance, over in uh, Europe, same time scale, the me's and the we's happening in the same time? Absolutely. Um, so, Western society is in, is in lockstep, but then Asia, uh, what we think of as the Eastern um, Hemisphere, is in the opposite cycle. So where we're going toward a, me, a we, they're going toward a me. And so that explains everything you're seeing in China right now. And does that include Russia? Or no, Russia, is, Russia, is part of the, Russia is part of the we, interestingly enough. It's okay. part of Western society. Um, all right, so tell me, um, uh, you know, we had FDR, but the rest of the world had... Uh, Hitler and Stalin. Hitler, remember, Stalin, that, Mussolini, uh, the emperor uh, in Japan. They were also in a we. They were, uh, Hitler was defining the common good, and he convinced the Germans that, you know, hey, you know, if we're going to clean up this mess, we all need to work together and get rid of the Jews. And so we look at Hitler as profoundly evil, but the Germans in Germany at that time did not. The, you know, they felt like they were working together for the common good. They were uncomfortable, and they thought this was a little screwy perhaps, but... When people are in a frame of mind of working together for the common good, they polarize. And this is the, the ugly part of a we cycle. They polarize. Explain that. Okay. Now, okay, Glenn, a couple days ago, New York Times, you wrote a really, really brilliant, astoundingly insightful op-ed. And I was fascinated by it. And, and you brought up again the whole Black Lives Matter controversy. And I said, how courageous. It is just astounding that he didn't learn his lesson when he got spanked for bringing this up the first time. Mm. So, <laughs> I heard some laughter in the background. So here's the thing. In a, we, in a we cycle, when you're in the second half of a we upswing, where we are right now, 
if you want to have power, if you want to have authority, if you want to make money, if you want to have listeners, you have to be the voice leading the people with the torches and the pitchforks. Well, I will That's- tell you this. I will tell you this, um, uh, Roy. Um, that is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you. And quite honestly, as I wrote that op-ed and uh, as I do the things that I'm doing, I realize, um, you know, your book is really aimed towards business on how to be successful at these times. And everything I am doing is not lining up with your book. Uh, well, right now, but, Glenn, the fact that you're trying to argue for a little bit more of a moderated voice of reason, when you say, hey, listen, let's at least listen to what they're trying to say. Let's at least try to hear them and see where they're coming from. These people are not altogether stupid. These people are not altogether evil. Let's at least try to hear them and consider what they're saying. Well, Glenn, that won't work in the upswing of a, of a we, especially in the second half of an upswing. It just won't. And so if you do that, I just want you to know, it's going to cost you listeners, it's going to cost you authority, it's going to cost you money. It's the right thing to do, but it, it won't pay off. So then what do you do when your culture is starting to go off the rails? How do you, how, how do you temper that? How do you pull it back, not, not necessarily to a, uh, 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 me, but to uh, at least to a place to where we're not polarizing, demonizing, and killing each other. Well, here's the thing. Um, I, I write from time to time about the difference between doing well and doing good. Doing well means that you're making a lot of money and you have a lot of authority and everybody is cheering your name. But doing good means that you're making a difference. But wait, and- wait, wait. But wait. I, 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 I'd like to go into that with you, but I, um, I want to make sure doing um doing well is connected to being able to have the voice to do good do you know what i mean I, if you don't I have do. if I if i polarize accept. myself into a place to where there's nobody listening to me i can't do good no I, I here's what's really weird all right this week somebody brought to my attention that uh donald trump had the whole congratulations to um mother teresa mhm and one of my one of my business partners, um, Jeff Sexton, he said, hey, do you remember a dozen years ago in 2004 in the Monday Morning Memo archives? He gave me the, the hyperlink to it. He said, you wrote about Donald Trump and Mother Teresa in a memo 12 years ago. And I went back and I read it. And it was this this idea of doing well versus doing good. I said, Donald Trump has always done well, but Mother Teresa has always done good. And I said, there's a sharp contrast between those two. And so long before he was involved in politics, I said, he's an example of doing well. And I said, but my question is, who's doing the most good? And so you can't say that Mother Teresa did well by any standard of Mm. um, commercial success. But yet, you know, she did an enormous amount of good. And so you don't get as many people following you. But you do make a difference when you're willing to be the minority voice saying, hey, doggone it, maybe black lives do matter. Okay, hang on just a second. Roy Williams, he's the author of the book Pendulum, How Past Generations Shape Our Present and Predict Our Future. Um, it is a fascinating book. And whether you are just in business, doesn't matter what your political ideology is, doesn't matter what business you're in. You want to understand the future, read this book. 
Uh, back in just a second. Now this, when you're away, you want to make sure your home and your family are protected and safe. Get home security from the company that changed the industry, and that is Simply Safe. With Simply Safe, you get the best protection. Um, it's easy to use. It's completely wireless. It has the glass break sensors, entry, motion sensors, everything. Monthly monitoring is fourteen ninety nine a month, and it has no long term contract. Uh, that is uh, Simply Safe. That's simplysafebeck.com. Go there now. Simplysafebeck.com. Free keychain remote worth 25 bucks. Simplysafebeck.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Roy Williams, uh, Pendulum. Roy, is there anything to this? Might be a really stupid question. Uh, is is this part of the reason why some people are just they don't uh, get the credit that they deserve in their generation because no, they're they're out of step with that time period, perhaps in some ways. That- that is something that we didn't cover in the book, and I want to applaud you because that is astoundingly insightful. I. You're precisely right. Whenever a person comes along and does exactly the right thing, but in the wrong window of time, um, they are literally ahead of their time. And future generations may look back at them and realize, oh, my gosh, this person was prescient. This person was, was, you know, they were clairvoyant. They saw the future, say, 40 years in advance, but they were just simply out out of step. Because Gandhi and Bonhoeffer... Both are in the we era, and right. they both were. They both felt very alone. They were completely out of step with the rest of the world. Counterculture voices, absolutely. They were counterculture voices. They were out of step with the masses. And uh, whenever you stood up for Black Lives Matter, I applauded you. And I said, you know what? We need to have that conversation, but people aren't ready to hear it right now, Glenn. So you've got yeah. some tough choices to make. <laughs> I know. Uh, quick, quick clarification, because as we're, you're talking about this, Roy, see if you can define this for me. Uh, my whole life, I have always been told by everyone that the we generation is good and the me generation is bad. bad. But oh, that's no, not that's really the way crazy. you look at it. That's crazy. That's insane. As a matter of fact, I am far more terrified of the excesses of the we generation than mm. the me generation. Yes. The me generation at its zenith, uh, Glenn, is simple depravity. And we, we just become really, we become idiots. We, we have disco, and we're wearing costumes, and we're pretending to be something <laughs> just, we're not. We're just idiots, you know. Right. Um, that's as bad as it gets. It's just like at the zenith of the we, you know, Michael Jackson's Thriller album, album came out, and everybody is dancing, and it's highly produced, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, all choreographed, and it's just slick, super that's slick. That's at the me. That's the that's zenith the of the that's me. The me. Yeah. And so that's right. the zenith of the me. That's as bad as it gets. Big deal. But did you realize... Glenn, in the history of Western society in the past 3,000 years, since the time of Solomon, the only time we burn people at the stake or cut off their heads is at the zenith of a we. The Mm. Civil War in America happened precisely Mm. at the zenith of a we. 
1863 was the middle of the five-year Civil War, and it okay. was the zenith of the we. All right. I'm, Roy, I'm going I'm to take a quick – I have to take another quick network break. Then we're going to come back and spend some time. I want to finish that part, and I want you to tell us um, uh, what is in our future based on the past. What is coming? Uh, what does it look like, and how can we minimize the burning people at the stake part? When we come back, the book is Pendulum. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. If um, I'm, I'm a student of history and uh, I'd like to learn from the past, and if you are a business person and you are trying to market a product or sell a product or try to fit into today's world and see what's coming and see how to uh, even do advertising, um, a Pendulum came out in 2012, is the best book I've read in I don't know how long to really distill things in your head on what's happening. Um, uh, but because I'm a student of history, um, we have we have Roy Williams. He's the author of the book on because I'm a, a student of history. Uh, I've read the fourth turning. I'm a student of the Kondraki of wave. Um, Roy, is this is are do those line up with what you found the pendulum? Yeah, they echo for sure. Um, I was on a little different track with my co-author, Michael Drew. I haven't mentioned Michael, and I feel bad about it, but Michael was an incredibly important part of this process. And the the other works that you've talked about had a little bit different focus, a little bit yeah. different agenda. But, but, what yes, I'm, but yeah, I'm asking if they yeah if they line up with one another. If they if you've looked at, for instance, the Fourth Turning and seen the generations, because I think it's the same. I think it's the same people, just different, just a different way of looking at it. Precisely. I even acknowledge generations. Whenever I, um, when Michael and I first began talking about this process, I, I talked to Dr. Richard D. Grant. He's uh, on our board of directors, and he said, "You know," he said, "about a decade ago." Now, remember, this was in 2004. Yeah. He said about a decade ago, there was a book written called Generations. You yes, should probably yes. look at it. Yes, I And have. I realized, oh, my gosh, these guys are saying the same thing, but they're articulating it differently, yeah. and yeah. They, they come to slightly different conclusions. Okay. And they – but, yeah, there's, there's definitely an overlay. So, uh, Roy, I want to I – I have, I have about six and a half minutes here. And so um, uh, what I want to do is I want to make sure that you stay away from politics because I don't want to know because I think it will minimize and diminish your book. I have no idea if you are for one side or the other, and I don't want to know um, because I think this is important that everybody reads this book. Let me tell you that um, because of the Kondraki of Wave, the fourth turning, and knowing history and now your book on top of it, it's one reason why I have been so strong on I can't vote for either one of these people um, because – and I'm not looking for political commentary um, – because I know what season we're going into. And as you said, 
the leading voice will, as I read it, um, um, lead us one way or another, make it worse or decelerate the effects of this. Uh, 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 am I right in in that? No, again, Glenn, you hit the bullseye. Um, we were just extraordinarily lucky to have Abraham Lincoln as our president during the Civil yes. War because if he had done what the typical leader would do, whoever is on the winning side just decimates the other side. And, of course, he had a lot of pressure on him to just, you know, take everything from the South, bankrupt everybody, take away their stuff, you lost, go away. And he said, no, 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 we're going to welcome them back as brothers. That was an extraordinary thing at the zenith of a we. That just never happens. And so each side is looking for their champion to try to completely gut the other side. Right. And we just can't let that happen, Glenn. I mean, we so have to try to find you... somebody who's... who's who's willing to hear both sides. So how do we, is there an example from history on people who have, who have lessened or minimized the impact? First, let me start here. What does 2023 look like? What are we headed for? If it goes unmitigated, and to, to answer your, your, your first question, is there anything we can do? Yes. Has it ever actually worked? No. If you, if you look at the polarity today of two sides squaring off with each other, and what has always been highly polarized seems to be accelerating and becoming more and more venomous. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, really, really scary. And just over the top, uh, both sides. And you're sitting there thinking, how did we wind up here? Well, now imagine one of these people gaining power and then having the authority to implement their will on the other side. Now, it doesn't matter who wins. Yes. If they, have, if they have all of Congress behind them and they can just completely bury the other side, this is bad. Because what it means is the people who are being oppressed, the people who don't feel like they're being heard, come to a boiling point. And we saw this with the French Revolution. I mean, we saw this with the Civil War. It, it, it comes to a head if you don't give your opponent the opportunity to be heard. Uh, it's, it's a mess. So, um, because I think the, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, before Abraham Lincoln, it was the American Revolution, and that time period gave us Robespierre, and it also gave us Washington. And right. there was something, that it, uh, quite frankly, in my view, it was God and the absence of God, and that and the and the understand the correct understanding of God because God will also take you to you know in the in incorrect understanding will take you to the Inquisition. So the yeah. correct understanding of God in America and the lack of God in in France, which led to horrid horrid things at the same time, and even uh, some of our founders missed that and started to defend Robespierre at the very beginning. Um, oh, no question. No, yeah. I think you're on the right track, Glenn, for sure. The idea is, you're right, the, the revolution, you know, we the people, and uh, that was the zenith of a we, and they said, you know, we just can't stand for this anymore. They're, we're going to stand up against our country, England, and we're going to reject the government. And that's how this nation was born. And so uh, when you look at a we... And you say, okay, when the we manifests itself throughout Western civilization, 
if it has a, an overzealous leader, things get astoundingly ugly, like it did in the French Revolution where tens of thousands of people were guillotined. And it gets incredibly ugly in the next we with Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin and Mussolini. Thank goodness, you know, we had FDR. And I mean, maybe you don't like his politics, but at least he tried to remind everybody that we were one nation and we were brothers. And we just have to hope and pray, Glenn, that in 2023, we just have to hope that we have a leader who isn't so single-minded that they cannot hear what the other side is saying. That's what we have to hope. Yeah, well, good luck with that one. Um, could I have you back, Roy? I'd actually, actually like to have you come into town at some point and spend the day. I, I would like to know what are the qualities that we need to start to grow in people you know, I met with one of the righteous among the nations, and I said, how do we plant that tree of righteousness in those times? How do we plant that tree, in, or, or how do we water that tree? Because I think the seed lives in all of us. She said, Glenn, the righteous didn't suddenly become righteous. They just refused to go over the cliff with everyone else. But I think there is also, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in America that may not see it as clearly as perhaps you see what's coming, um, and and but they want to be part of 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 saving us from darkness uh and i would like to help foster that in people can you help us with that but the the question you asked was what is the quality that will help us survive yes and this is going to sound insane until you contemplate it but believe it or not the thing that we need to foster in each other is a tolerance for ambiguity a lack of certainty. And when you have a strong opinion, but you realize that a person can be intelligent and a person can be good and have the exact opposite opinion, and for you to hold in your head, okay, this is interesting. I'm not changing my mind, but I realize this person is not evil. I realize this person is not stupid. I'm I'm sorry to cut you off. I've got a network break and I've got to take it. Can we have you back, sir? You We'd bet. love to have you back. Thank you very much. The name it. of the book is Pendulum. Uh, quickly, our sponsor this half hour, Barclays Bank, just released this policy statement. The ability of central banks and sovereign governments to control asset prices through reckless monetary and fiscal policy is reaching the end of its useful life. Leads to one logical conclusion when the next market shock threatens bubbly asset prices and calls for central action, helicopter money. This is what he was talking about is coming, and this is going to play a role in it. Please, please call Goldline now. 1-866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE. Find out if buying gold or silver is right for you. Goldline.com. Our tribute to uh, 9-11. Next. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. program.
52. Something weird is going on. Yeah. We, the, the World Trade Center is on fire. Oh, my god. Seriously, goodness. the top it, of the building. We're trying to get information. Top level of one of the... ...to unfold from New York City. A plane crash. crashed. <gasps> Just... My sister's in that building. Okay. And I hope she's okay, and I gotta run to New York. Oh, my God. pandemonium. Okay, first of all, calm down. It's raining papers and ashes and...
It is Tuesday, September 11th, 2001. This is Glenn Beck. Dateline, New York. In one of the most audacious attacks ever, terrorists hijacked two airliners, crashed them into the World Trade Center in a coordinated series of blows today that brought down the twin 110-story towers. Thousands may be dead, 58,000 people work at the World Trade Center. She wanted me, I just wanted to let you know I love you, and I'm stuck in this building. I'm playing at the building, her phone went off, we don't know, but there's lots of smoke, and we just wanted you to know that I love you, but what is One plane, United Flight 93, crashed north of Somerset County Airport, a small airport 80 miles southeast of Pittsburgh. United said that flight, Boeing 757, left Newark at 8.01, and in Francisco at 38. It is as old as the scriptures. We will not falter. And it is clear. And we will not fail. As the American Constitution. That is the news of this day. September 11th, 2001. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.